But here's what's crazy. So I did the, because you did that contest, their contest. I did the San Francisco comedy competition. And that was the biggie. There was 40 contestants. I think I came in 43rd. Okay. Like, I bombed. Yeah. Really? They added. That could make or break your career back then. I bombed. No, but out of that. Is how I got my right. audition for SNL. Exactly. Okay. okay. So I right. didn't do anything in the contest, but an Doesn't SNL matter. recruiter saw me. Yeah. So what, what's crazy is, is that I want, I was never, mm. dude, we went off, but I'll go back. I was just, just like, I consider a, think of it like this. Think of an egg and the yolk and the shell. There are comics that are the shell, and there are comics that are the eggs. And it's good to be both. So the egg is the wild, runny, all-over-the-place thing that you're going to find some great stuff in at times. The shell are the people that are structured, set up, punch, set up, punch. Mm. They're always going to deliver. Obviously, it's good to be a combination of both. But for me, I was never that cerebral guy of, like, isn't this witty? And I feel like comedy has gotten much more writer-esque, which is great less exciting in some ways where our generation we were raised on animalistic rock stars and that's what it is so for me it's i had a young comic a couple years ago say man you really went for it and i go what do you mean he goes you're really old school and your approach it was impressive and i go what do you mean he goes you commit and you get big and you get loud and then you get quiet and i go so i did comedy he's like (laughs) What's well, just different now? And I like these people. Like you can't be cool. You know. You know what? You know what's one of my pet peeves. Is, you get uh, crazy on Instagram. Uh, you'll see these new young comics. Okay, and and I like jokes, but they're hard to write. This is this is my pet peeve. They're promoting their show always. Yes. So so there's a hundred stories. I'm gonna be at the 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 attic on sunset, ten o'clock, right? Right? Okay. Not a bad room. Okay. Okay. So, uh, how do I, is that a real room? No. <laughs> <laughs> Hope it's not a real room. I just use it. Oh my god! You're, you're everywhere, though. I see, like Jamie Kelly. Like you'll be in like Las Vegas, headlining Caesars, and then two weeks later, you're like at a bar in San Diego. Like I know you're amazing. Dude. I don't know, but yeah. dude, I get it's fun. It's, it's great. It's fun. It's a wonderful time to be alive. Beach waiting tables. Yeah. So 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 um, the promoting all week. There's a hundred stories going through. I'm at the attic, ten o'clock. Then they do the show. Yeah. And then the post that night or the next day. No, no, no material on the post. No, no jokes. It's a boomerang of them on stage. It's this. I mean, are you kidding me? You, 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 you did a hundred posts about your show, and there wasn't thirty seconds that you're proud enough. To show everybody that you're even funny. And by the way, I've seen some of those new comics. They don't have 30 seconds of funny, so they are doing themselves a favor. Shots fired. Shots Shots fired. These new kids. Wow. Dude, I love that you said that. Say it. Let it go. A boomerang of you on stage? Mm Mm-hmm. What is that? That, What what, what is that? You know what that is? Ego stroke. That is. Nothing but an ego stroke. That is. Bro, fucking shots fired. Gloves are off. People no more Mr. Not, nice Man. People in the business oh. will get this. People, yeah, I get you. <laughs> he, uh, well, you know what that is? That is, I'm letting you know that I'm doing this, mm-hmm. but I don't want to burn this gold. This is being saved it's for this. It's not even that. No, it's not like you and I. Oh, that's what they're thinking. I know you and I know what it is. No, but if you and I come up with some new material, and I did a brand new joke. Last night, all right. At, oh, at stand no at the at stand up. Uh, you don't have to brag. No, the stand <laughs> the stand up comedy club in Belfar, where you're going to be March seventeenth. Yes, yes. I'm going to give them a plug because they're very nice, amazing, state club. of the art new club. You, Sully. Uh, I was there with Sully, Sully, and um uh and Brian Shield, who I haven't seen in, in ages. And yeah, fun night. But but here's the thing. Look, I'm in my fifties, yeah. and I I don't even do comedy full time. Yeah, and I'm still writing jokes from my real life because guess what? Comedy at the end of the day. You need to make people laugh, and the way you make people laugh is give them something they can relate to. So here's the thing, Jamie. It's new. I'm a single dad, okay, and I go to my son's basketball games. Okay, your wife and you divorced. Yes, okay. twenty years. Right. Did twenty years. Two beautiful children, and we're still amicable. You did. You That's did, another episode. You did twenty. That's another podcast. So you did. 20. I go to my boys' games. Parents, this is right up your alley. You know, parents are yelling at the referees mm-hmm. like it's the NBA finals. Right? Mm-hmm. They're yelling at the referees. They're taking all this abuse. Now, I go to my son's game. This is hoops? This is hoops. High school. school? High school. Your kids got your handles? Yeah, they're, they're good. Because you good. have handles. 
Okay. I can't believe you remember that. Did we ever play? Or just- uh, I played a little bit, but you had handles. You were terrible on defense because you would never let anyone <laughs> dribble. You're an, you're a menace. How do you know that? You're Did a you- menace. Bro. Wow. Yeah, we used to play. No, we, we used to yeah. ball. Yeah. Down, down Santa Monica with, yeah. with Ross Mark and a bunch of people. And yeah. I played at Beeman Park with Adam Sandler and yeah. Charlie Schlatter yeah. in the early 90s. Wow, yeah. yeah. Adam, Adam is incredible, as you know, but he Schlatter had play. a sneaky game, too. Adam's like, but he'll push you. Like, like, he's offensive foul all day when he's on when he's dribbling. All right, shots fired at Sandler. Jesus like Christ, you're not getting Paul Blart five. Love Sandman. Okay, so, but we used to play at Beeman Park, yeah. Studio City, and then go to Dupar's good old days. Yeah. Now, my son's game, you know, people, parents are yelling at referees and all that. So I go to the game last week. Cute female referee. Cute. You allowed to say that? Female, yeah, yeah. Cute female. Attractive. Can I say that? Attractive. I think so. Female referee. So. You're assuming her gender. I'm yelling at the referee now. Got it. I'm like, Deborah, that was an excellent call. <laughs> My son was traveling. He thinks it's a European step. Yeah, he, it's traveling. <laughs> Tee him up if he gives you any lip. Debra, pizza party at Shakey's after the game. <laughs> Shakey's. <laughs> Shakey's. It's a cute outfit. Foot Locker. So what happened? Anyway, did I'm, you get any? Uh, I'm selling out my son to, to get a date with the female. Wow. Rep. Did she even That's look That's real life way. comedy. That's hilarious. That's real life comedy, yeah. Wow. So, okay. so the boomerang, if that was, yeah, no, if you like, did it, you wouldn't have put that in a boomerang. Well, I just feel like the idea when you were starting out was to write funny, like it was a competition. Even when I went to Jerry's Deli, you know, like we used to go late night, even during the weigh-ins days when I was writing with the weigh-ins, like there was not a night that we weren't somewhere. Kate Manalini's mm, closing okay. the place mm-hmm. with, with Damon and, and, and Sean and, and, and Keenan writing writing jokes at like one in the morning yeah after everything else we did all it didn't matter like that's when we got like crazy right and come up with ideas and bits and um what happened with me was i was at the improv one night did a spot heard all these guys laughing in the back laughing like your friends laugh like ah <laughs> ah like mm-hmm. that so i get off stage and chris Spencer's like hey these guys um want to meet you they just got here from new york they're doing a show in living color and so i walked to, like the back corner and it was uh, it was Damon and Sean and Marlon at that at that time that were in you know in the club like mm-hmm. and, and like hey you're funny. You didn't meet Damon and you didn't meet um, Sean and Marlon yet. No, no, it's the first time. Okay. I was at the Improv and then they they were in the back of the club and checking out comics and like hey you're funny we're going we're gonna go to uh, this other club you should come and uh, like you're a good writer. They say you're you're a writer. I'm like nah man I'm a I'm gonna be the next Michael J. Fox you know I'm gonna get a sitcom I don't want to write like no you're a good writer. So then started hanging out with them and I watched the set. And Damon was like the funniest thing, literally funniest comic working in the in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Like he was doing OJ stuff before anybody would even think about it. Mm-hmm. Like he like he was really doing funny OJ stuff. He did a Magic Johnson joke when Magic had AIDS. He did wow. stuff that no yeah. He's like he's like um he's like this would be me playing play, if I was in the NBA. This is me if I'm covering magic. Oh, shoot. oh, oh, damn, magic. Oh, wow. You, oh, you're too fast, man. Like he was making jokes about not getting HIV before anybody would say said it was okay. Yeah. He was he was so brave and so funny, and we we would just we were in awe of him. Yeah. And this is when he was doing specials and crushing it. And so I get some ideas. I mean, that's a good idea. And so uh, you you guys you, you should write. So then when Sean when Sean and Marlon got Wayne's brothers at WB. It was this. I want to say it was the first or second series ever greenlit at the WB. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I mean, when we were shooting, so I ended up. I think it was the first. They basically said, "Look, they gave us these writers, you know, <laughs> studio writers. They don't. They don't know us, I guess. So they would. They would get me and Chris and Alex Thomas, and we would write jokes under the table for them. Mm-hmm. They'd pay us under the table. Yeah. to punch up the scripts. Yeah, and then eventually we got staff jobs mm-hmm. because they, they say, "Okay, you guys can. You guys." You know, they said, we want to hire some writers. Uh, we'll give you three. Yeah. We'll give you two, you know. And that's how it worked. And so that's how I got in um, was at first they didn't have an opening and I was just punching up. And then um, they called over and they said, we're looking for uh, joke writers for Keenan for the new late night show. So that was my first Writers Guild job was writing monologue jokes for Keenan on the Keenan Ivory Wayne show in 99. Really? And then I, and then I worked with Wayans Brothers and then... Um, uh, my wife and kids, and then I end up working with Wayne Brady, which was 
a total different kind of thing because Wayne doesn't like to do jokes. He likes to do performance stuff. Yeah. And he would say, don't give me a joke. Give, like, I want to tell you what I think is funny. And then we'll, and so he was so, like, I could just say, he said, oh, I was taking care of my baby. Miley was a baby when we were on the show. I was taking care of my baby and I feel like I'm taking care of a drunk person, a drunk friend at a bar. Yeah. You know, like, you know, you know, oh, don't fall and oh, don't, don't, don't drink that. And I go, that's hilarious. And he's like, yeah, but I don't want to do it like a joke. No problem. So we would work on it. And then Wayne, you just give him like three things. Yeah. He would remember everything. Yeah. He was like Robin Williams. Yeah. Like he just remembered. And then he'd go out and then like he would hit sometime in that two minutes, he would hit all three of those things, but in his own way. And, uh, and that's how you write, you know, funny stuff for Wayne. And then the musical guests, I wish I, I would, I would work on that show today if I could. Donna Summer, Outcast, Michael McDonald, Joe Cocker, like from, because it's a daytime variety show. Yeah. Music from all, so I'm meeting like my musical idols, and it was it was an amazing time. It was a great show. How many years you work on that? That was like a full season. So that was a season where we got the show got nominated for an Emmy and lost to a first season new show called Ellen. Imagine wow. that, wow, dude! Imagine. You know what's crazy is you're such a good performer. Oh, I appreciate that. No, but you're an incredible performer and you're a great writer. You like I said, you're the whole egg. And so, but I, I'm, it's crazy how much you write, I mean, and you're, and you're great at it, but did you go, Ooh, I got to get in front of the camera more. And I know you always were, but were you like, no, I got to be my own headliner or when you were writing for people. When I was writing, it was a very competitive world. Cause not only are you trying to please, uh, the show stars and, and the, but you're, everyone's competing to get rehired mm-hmm. so it's very you know it's very cutthroat and all that but one of the things i was proudest of earlier as a writer was um that I, I know you saw this sketch but you didn't know i wrote it i guarantee you saw this sketch but you didn't know i wrote it sean and marlin after after um i don't know if it was a scary movie or it was it was 2000 so i think it was when scary movie exploded it was probably for mtv mtv video music awards mm-hmm. so they're gonna host it and this is when music was I'll tell you who was at that show, so you so you know what music was, performing live. Blink One Eighty Two, Britney Spears, mm-hmm. Christina Aguilera, mm-hmm. Eminem, Wow, Janet Jackson, Wow, all in the same show. Yeah. Okay. All right. I remember. Bro. Okay. Now we're writing on the show in New York. Okay, and we're pitching ideas, mm-hmm. and you know every every um, every award show they have that you know. We're now going to uh, take a moment to pay respects to those that are no longer with us, and they do that in memoriam of the artist, right? Yeah. So I pitched this sketch where Sean and Marlon come out with the candles, somber, and say, we're now going to pay uh, special respects to those artists that are no longer with us. And then we roll the clips, and it's all the one-hit wonders. Gerardo. <laughs> Tiffany. Wow. The Macarena guy. Okay. Okay. All right. Vanilla Ice, right? And they kid and play with doing the dance. And so they laughed out loud as soon as I pitched it and read it and they read it. And so what happened to me was um Damon saw the MTV videos and he said, Who wrote that sketch? And Sean and Marlon always give credit to writers. And like, oh, that was Bruce, little Bruce. Okay. They call me little Bruce. And uh, so I end up getting an interview and then I get another job, you know, really good job. So um, with Damon, so, you know, people were very competitive, but it worked well because it made you better. It made you better. Yeah, I know. But you are, you went more. But you laughed at that sketch that I wrote 22 years ago. Yeah. So it's it's funny now. It's funny. It's timeless. (laughs) But you, what I'm. I'm sure it's been ripped off since uh, someone, but, uh, but that was, that was OG. That was, that was real deal right there. Yeah. But you wrote on shows Were you touring as, as when you were writing. Oh, the best life was when I was writing on shows and then we wrap, you know, shoot on Friday Mm -hmm. and then take off and do Wayne's brothers comedy tour on the weekends. Yeah. I toured with Sean. We did. Every club, every club that you, you know, yeah. the Tampa Improv. All yeah. Day. Yeah. And um, at one point when they started their own company, I was the booking agent, the road manager. Okay. And, and the opening act. Wow. And that's a whole nother podcast. The club owners hated me because Sean would tell me all the stuff that he thought he was being ripped off on. Which is a lot. And, and so I was calling them out on it. And also I was at the radio stations. I was opening the show. So they couldn't lie. They couldn't say, yeah, we had 40 comps. I'm like, no, I was at the radio station. We gave out five. Yeah. So it's 35 times $40. You're ripping my, 
my boss off. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, they only know how to rip off. Club owners only know how to rip off. So yeah. it was like, I was like, their worst it's getting nightmare. harder now. I was their worst nightmare. You know, I was a, a, com- a comedian and a businessman. Like what? That's the, it doesn't happen. Like, you know, you're supposed to be in a desk in LA and I just tell you what I want to tell you and I hang up. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, but it was, it was, it was when MySpace first was, Dane was doing the MySpace thing. And I, I told them, I said, look at Dane Cook, what he's doing, we need to do. And I find out about those bots that you could send out that would send it to women 18 to 25 that are three miles from the club mm-hmm. and then send a promo out and it would just pow, hit 5,000. Did you know how to do, I didn't I figured, know, how, I, I never had to do those bots. I figured stuff out. You just, you just, you just bought it. Wow. No pun intended. And, um, yeah, it was insane. So that was like when we started doing all that road stuff. And then, and then I, you know, I, I said, look, merch, they all, yeah. all want to meet you. Stu Merch, it's like, um, and Sean took Merch to the next level. Yeah. yeah. He had stuff made, and then they all want to meet him, you know, meet and greet, and then at a certain point, I think, we said, there's no meet and greet without, like, a purchase. Like, you buy something, then you get the meet and greet, right? Yeah. So it's just, it's just like, you know, you can't sit there talking to someone about their grandmother and their favorite episode of the show for 20 minutes. Don't while do people it. are waiting to, like, really, you know. People will do stuff. it. Yeah. You know, so, anyway, so, yeah, good times, Um, and then the business aspect. Again, I went to school for business, right, at BU. So it, it did come full circle. And then 10 years ago, um, I started uh, I, my family business is, you know, life insurance planning and, and financial planning. I started helping the, the, the people in the business. You're doing that? For 10 years. Yeah. As your side thing? That's like that's like my 80% of my day. Really? Yeah. I have like 200 clients, Jamie. Wait a minute. 20, so you're- 20 that you know. You're doing what? Your I am licensed planning? for. I am licensed for life, health, and disability insurance, annuities. Well, what about yes. you're writing and you're still performing? Got some projects. I got some exciting things happening. But listen, in between the green lights, yeah, I work. I work. Wow. Where I do work you live? For living. I'm not like. Where do you, you live know? at? Um, Encino. Yeah, I'm in the Valley, Encino. I love. I came back full circle to LA Cabaret. <laughs> That's it it's crazy. Yeah. But I've always lived in the eight one eight. You love the valley. Yeah, man. I, I do. You do love the valley. People you used to go to the late night yogurt place with Al Berman back in the day. Yup's yogurt. On I love it. <laughs> Dude, Yup's is the spot. Yup's was the spot. Wow. Mike, Mike. Pakistani guy named Mike. Yes. It was late night frozen yogurt. And Yups. he was the only one. He was the only game in town back yeah. then. Yeah. This is pre-Pinkberry. Mm-hmm. Dude, think about what you're saying. Jerry's Deli, mm-hmm. the institution. Mm-hmm. I think the only one left is in South Beach, there, which yeah, is crazy. There's none in L.A., which is it really is crazy because you would go and this is the and crime. You would see rock stars eating chicken soup. You know, seriously, like, yeah. like the guys from Kiss would be there eating matzo ball soup. Uh, you would you would see comedians. Yeah. You would see uh, writers working on screenplays that had like. Dude, I went to Cantor's the other night, and I could only get takeout at midnight. It's just crazy because you. They wow. don't. They don't stay open. They won't, tw- oh, yeah. Twenty four hours. A lot of restaurants. There's a California Chicken Cafe in Encino. I used to go in and eat. They during the pandemic. That's done. They became no. They became takeout only. Yeah. And it went so well for them that they have not reopened inside. They're Nothing. like, why should we pay a full staff and have all this, you know, all those problems and expenses? Let's every. We're doing takeout, and we're like 80% profit margin. What are we doing? Why are we going to go back to 40%? But that's what's changed so much, and what just bums me out. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think the pandemic caused some good changes. Yeah. And some bad. I want to know a good change? What? You know what I like about you? You don't really have anything to say. (laughs) Am I the first one to to actually do a takeover on your podcast? This is beautiful. (laughs) No, it's like when you do when you do Leno, he would be so happy when yeah, I would come yeah, on because yeah. I would over prepare sure. and he go, I don't gotta do nothing, you know. So it's like you're like that. It's beautiful. Okay, he said Leno. So quick Leno story. I met BU and Jay Leno is popping up on the Letterman show, so he's coming to BU. Mm-hmm. So uh, me and my friends get tickets and we go to BU. We go to the, to see the show. Push that cap on the mic. There is. There you go. All right. Good thing. I hope I hope I didn't ruin the last ten minutes. No, That's much right. Okay. So, um, but the, I want to tell you one of Leno's jokes that, that makes me laugh to this day. So we're in college. So yeah. he was doing some college humor, and uh, he goes, "Yeah, I went to Emerson. Yeah, I went down the street there. I went yeah. to Emerson." He's like, uh, 
He's like, college is crazy. It's funny, you know. You know, you, you got the RAs, you know, and, and uh, you know, everybody's having sex and doing drugs. And the only thing they care about is uh, a hot pot. That's the only rule. So you can't have a hot pot, you know. He's like, people are having sex, doing drugs, and the guy's like, hey, 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 you make you making soup in there? Is there soup in there? <laughs> <laughs> I bet he killed with that. Destroy. So Make a soup in there. That's so true. <laughs> Jay, oh Jay, Jay had edgy stuff. Like people know him as a Tonight Show guy. Jay, yeah. Jay used to do a joke where he would he would uh, talk about the stripper that had the eight a.m. shift. You know, because they had open twenty four hours. Mm-hmm. And he, I remember he did this thing where the stripper comes out and she, like, you know, puts her coffee on the stool, and she's like. You know, start like you know, she's, she's eight in the morning. She's getting ready for job. You know, and um, he did some edgy, funny stuff. He was he the became, guy Letterman you know, looked up to. Yes, they were they were very good friends coming up. You know, and listen, we have guys that came up as friends, and then you know things yeah. happen. But yeah, um, but that was because of the late shift. You know, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. but people look at Letterman as the edgy guy, but he Jay Leno was the original edgy guy. He was, he was, and he TV is yeah. not Jay Leno. That's him making two hundred million. It, the real yeah, Jay Leno in the yeah, club, yeah. I would put against anyone. Oh, dude, he's a joke machine, an animal, joke machine, and he can, he he just keeps going. Like if the joke goes flat or kill, he just yeah he just keeps going. Um, Jay can get on a plane and get a hundred thousand to do a corporate gig any day of the week. He's you know he's mom and pop. He's young and old. Like yeah, he's 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 a legend. He's a living legend, and I wish him well because he had a motorcycle accident. Yeah, and the fire. It's like Jay, yeah. just like sit in a chair and watch Matlock. Like regular yeah. old people, you know, enjoy your retirement. Yeah, but no, I think he's doing. Oh, I think he's doing better. So love to mm-hmm. Jay, but that's yeah. no. It was it was you know grew up watching him. Yeah, saw him at BU, watched him all those years, and then I did the Tonight Show, two thousand seven. I got the gig, and I went on, and and he came into my dressing room before the show and wished me well, and then um, I, I crushed it. I crushed I it. Don't doubt it. I crushed it. Um, I'll hold up that tape to you. Any any you know, it holds up the test of time. And, um, how many times yeah. did you do it? Two things about, I did, I did it, I did it once and then I was booked to come back and then Conan, the whole thing. E. Yeah. I was booked to come back and then, uh, I don't fuck a booking up. Uh, well, well, remember the Conan was taken over and yeah. then yeah, it was all that stuff. But two things I remember about the show, uh, that were unique. Number, well, number one, I got, I did get a standing ovation. You could actually see people. Standing really? Yeah. Got a standing ovation. Um, it really. Wow. Yeah. I was doing Costco stuff before anybody was really doing it on TV. Uh-huh. And, um, and it just really nailed, nailed that Tonight Show audience. But also, um, I did something I promise you no comedian's ever done. Uh-huh. A couple comedians have done the Tonight Show, right? Yeah. I was watching the monitor of the interview. Like most comics are just can't even, you know, you guys shut down. I just kind of wanted to be aware of what was going on in the show. Pre you. So before I'm going out, yeah. it was um, uh, Terrence from uh, Empire. Okay. Um, I can't I think. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm so stuck. We both have the same brain right now. Oh, yeah. Um, Terrence. Yeah. Star of Empire. But he yeah. was promoting. Uh, he was promoting. Yeah, uh, we both forgot. He was uh, doing Hustle and Flow. Yes. Yes. Terrence. Oh, my God. I want to say Terrence is his last name. Should I just Google it right no, now? No, but we know okay. it. Okay. It's Terrence. So he was promoting Hustle and Flow. He is doing an interview with Jay, and he's talking about um, the um, the porn on the hotel. He's at a hotel and there's porn. And he, That's edgy. And, 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 and how he does it. Yeah, no, it was. And, he, and he's like, I don't have, because I don't, I don't want to watch it, but I don't have that kind of willpower. He, he's like, I was curious, Jay. And Jay... Started his own run. He's like, are you curious? Do you curious? And then, um, and so then <laughs> something else came up. Someone else, someone else, something else came up later in the second interview. So commercial, they're going to, and then Jay called back and he said, he said, because you're curious, because you're curious. <laughs> huge, huge laugh, right? So, so, so I come out and I'm in the middle of my set and I'm doing the bit about, they sell vitamins at the gas station. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, are these the guys you want to look to for nutritional guidance? Remember that bit, right? Yes. And then, uh, you know, yeah. And I couldn't probably do this bit now. I'd be canceled for saying Akmar. But the guy's name was Akmar that worked at my mobile. Yes. So, hey, Akmar, um, just fill it up on pump four. Also, I'm feeling a little sluggish. Can you recommend some supplements? You know, how, how about these in between the uh, the Slim Jims and the Hustler? The condoms and the Slim Jims. Whatever I, could, I was allowed to say in tonight's show. So, why the audience was laughing, and I'm saying, yeah, let me... Uh, uh, um, 
let me uh, let me get in between the uh, condoms. I said in between the condoms and the and the hustler. I think, and it was a laugh, and then I said, because I'm curious. <laughs> I called back. An interview, so it was, everyone yeah. knew it was hot got and a, fresh. Got a big laugh. Huge laugh. But when people watch the set now, because it it's my demo tape, right, for stand-up, for yeah. the corporate stuff, they, they they don't know what I'm talking about. It's kind of funny. It's a quick, you know, they, they go, I should be laughing because everyone's laughing, but I don't know, because it was it was basically a callback to Leno's interview with Terrence. Do you know what's Terrence Howard? Howard, thank you, Terrence Howard. Dude, you know what? Great guy, too. Legend. Do you know what's mm-hmm. crazy is that? Philly, I think, right? I think I think so. Philly. Dude, I think Philly because we talked. We talked about it. What's crazy about that is, it's not you're not you're not allowed to like they go through your whole. Set. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So the it's, fact that you took that leap, yeah. but you it was that's a so clean the, leap. That's so much in the zone I was. It was almost like doing a set and you just ad lib and you yes, and you ad lib. And you then you kill, so you're not going to get in trouble. Right, right, right. And they can yeah. edit anyway. Right. But dude, that's so good because they they fun. don't. They are so strict. It was. It was. It was can you imagine, dude? How we we would do a, t- a guest spot on a show, and obviously mm. the Tonight Show was the gold standard. And then that next day, you got offers to headline clubs, and then the sitcom and movies. It was one outlet. Can that, you, well, you for many years? Yeah. Can you imagine yeah. what people people don't grasp this concept so my order of television was uh arsenio gave me my first big national break. huge um they were they would see us and have our, have us work on a set and then all of a sudden the night before the show that's huge dude that was an early break the early 90s yeah, yeah it was early 90s and and um joy dolce and claudia kagan yes shout outs and and they called me up and they said bruce Mariah Carey is our guest tomorrow night, and she doesn't want to do two segments. She just wants to talk for one. Perfect. So we have a stand-up segment. So that set that we saw a week ago, we, you need to run it tomorrow to, you know, tomorrow night with us, and the next night you're on. So went, that's what I did. I, I ran it uh, at the Improv, I think, or the Factory, and then Boom. and then I um, I did it. And, and you could go into the clubs and say, I'm running a set for Arsenio, and, and they pop, pop you yeah, in. Pop yeah. you in. Yeah. It was great. And then I did uh, Arsenio a second time. But Star Search in Dude, Florida. The tape you have, okay. So then- Star Search Florida was was great, and then uh, Comic Strip Live on Fox was actually my first demo. Wow. Yeah. What year? Nineties uh, again, early nineties. First time I ever saw Chris right. Rock was on that, and he did the bitch paint my house. That was Eddie Murphy's uh, HBO Young Comedian special. That's when he. Is that when he did that? Yep. Okay, maybe it was at that. So eighty eight when I moved out here, I got an audition on the Paramount lot. And I knew that Eddie Murphy Productions was on the Paramount lot. So after I went to my audition, I think it was like for Family Ties or something with Allison Jones. And I um, had my, my my tape, my VHS demo and my resume and pick. And I bet shot. you had a briefcase. I had um, that I was I a, thing. a briefcase. I think I did have a briefcase. Dude, briefcase. 100%. We all had, had briefcases. briefcases. Yeah. <laughs> had a briefcase, yeah. yeah. Like a special agent. People don't realize we had briefcases. With headshots and resumes. We had briefcases. Then, yeah, had a briefcase. And I see Eddie Murphy Productions. It was like Charlie Chaplin building, I think, because he loved Charlie EMP. Chaplin. So, so, um, yeah, EMP. And so I walked in and, uh, the kid was answering the phones, you know, Eddie Murphy Productions, Chris Rock. No. Mm-hmm. Eddie gave him a job at the production company until he could start making What year was this? Early nineties. Maybe 89, 90. Oh, wow. Eddie wow. Murphy Productions. That's right. <laughs> I'm not saying Eddie's not going to take your call, but I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, your impressions are impeccable. Uh, I do one really weird one. Uh, do you practice that one? Nah, it's good for Wow. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. Fuck out here. So, <laughs> Morgan Freeman. It's scary how good that is if you get in trouble to do it now, which you shouldn't. <laughs> wow. Morgan Freeman walks in, kiss the girls, and they see, he's got these pictures of all the victims on the wall. Remember that scene? He walks in. He's a detective, and he looked in these pictures of all the victims. And Morgan Freeman goes, "This guy is a collector." There you go. That's what <laughs> <laughs> go back to the Chris Rock. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I would, dude. You are a fucking celebrity cooking. No one wants to see celebrities cook. Just take anything and make it ridiculous. Because he always had that. Just he just despised. You know, like like. Pick a topic, you know, like, you know, um, pick a topic. Gluten-free. All right. 
gluten-free. First of all, black people aren't even free. How's gluten-free already? That's right. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> so true. Because you know what's beautiful? Gluten easy. Look at how many things you just wrote with that because you have a angle. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. Which people don't understand. Mm-hmm. P, it's the clear POV. Mm-hmm. Um, Dude. The, yeah. I, I, it's funny. I don't do any. I, you know, I, but you I, do. I, no. You're really I, good at them. I talk about, I, I still am. I consider myself an observational comedian. Like I'm, I talk. You about, consider yourself Seinfeld, which is amazing. No. But you're a lot more than that. You can do impressions. Well, I'll tell you where I'm different. I, uh, Jerry was my inspiration. Yeah, but I got great advice from Louis Anderson. God Early, rest his rest soul. in peace, Louis. Okay, I was working in Las Vegas. Yeah, at the El Rancho at Rodney's place, Rodney Dangerfield's Comedy Club, at the El Rancho in 1990. My first Vegas. Uh, oh my god! My first you Vegas gig, re- and you were doing hot thirty minutes. I was doing ten minutes up front, bringing up the middle, then doing. You were hosting. I was hosting, and uh, Eric Champnella, shout out, was the middle, and Bill Wild Bill Bauer was the headliner, and I made three hundred dollars for the week, and we did fourteen shows. That was not really good, but I was the opener. But I lost four hundred at the tables in like two days, so I was already in the negative. Like, but I some time in my life twenty a day, twenty a show. I mean, I mean, Vegas, you need to make big money in Vegas. Yeah, the improv paid very well years later, very mm-hmm. very well. But um, Rodney, <laughs> I was excited. I was like, "Oh, Rodney Dangerfield is going to be there." You know, he probably introduced me. You know, so we get there. Like, uh, is Rodney going to be here? Like, uh, Rodney's like, the weekend is going to be. No, no, no. There's a tape, a tape. So. People would sit down, Rodney Dangerfield's comedy, and be and they'd be they'd play a tape. Hey everybody, welcome to my club. Uh, please welcome your master of ceremonies. And that was like that was it. It was just a blank generic, and I, I have to like run out. You know, hey everybody, thanks Rodney. You know, like, yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was, like he was backstage or something. Yes. You know? Oh, thanks Rodney. Yeah, he'll be out. He'll be out later. Yeah, and then and then do that. But um, yeah, Vegas. Vegas was a great test of does your material play? You know. In Skokie. Yes. Yeah, that's a play. Because LA was very trendy and hip. Like, I used to write, I had the first bit about cell phones because I was a waiter and people used to get on their cell phone in 1989 mm-hmm. at the table and I have to wait for them. The brick. To take the order. And I thought that was that was being rude. And, mm-hmm. I, and I wrote the whole thing about the, you know, um, me being the, the, the waiter and um, taking control of that, that situation. It was like, uh, the guy was rude. So, you know, I said, uh, I went back in the kitchen and I called him, you know, and he, like, he clicks over. He's like, yeah, hello. Like, yeah, this is a waiter. Uh, you know, I know you're busy, but, uh, you know, let me give you the specials real quick or whatever it was. You know, they, yeah. hold on, the busboy wants to talk to you. Masagua, senor, masagua. I did all that. <laughs> yeah. and, so, and so I had this whole bit that was like on those TV sets back then. And I went on the road. And we were in like uh, the fun house in South Carolina. And I did that bit, crickets. Crickets. I was opening for Sean Waynes. I heard Sean laughing in the green room mm-hmm. on the monitor because I was bombing. I heard Sean laughing from the stage. Comics love that. So I'm doing the cell phone bit, and it's bombing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is this is like my A material in L.A. And um, this is a lesson for the comics. And after the show, you know, people come up to you. And there's not too many people were coming up to me after that show. But this one woman came up to me, and she goes, Boy, what you doing talking about the telephone? I ain't got no telephone. And I'm like, wow. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I grew up in a suburb. I'm living in LA and now I'm performing. People don't have phones and I'm doing a bit about a cell phone at a restaurant. Like relatability, relatability. And so it was an early lesson. So after that lesson, going back to lessons, going back to lessons, right? We would get in the car from the airport, driving to the hotel. We got a week of shows, a weekend of shows. Driver, what's the popular gas station out here? Come and go. Do you have Costco? Do you have Sam's? Mm-hmm. Where do, when people are in relationships, where's the hotspot? Bam. Five questions. Boom. And I had all my references. And then everything everything hit so much better. And then I kept out kept out the LA stuff and just focused on relationship stuff. And yeah. You do your five or your seven. I call it the ingratiation period. Ingratiating yourself to them. And then you can dump your stuff in mm. that might not be so f- much for them, but you've already got them on your side. Can I tell you the bit that uh, Sarah Silverman said, I, I want that bit 20 years ago. And then when I saw her last year, she said, I still want that bit. Yeah. Wait, what did Louie tell you? You never said it. Which one? 
Louis, when you were working at the rancho, what did Louis tell you? Oh, uh, um, uh, so, oh my goodness! Thank you for bringing me back. Jeez. Before you get to you Sarah. should actually host the show. <laughs> I should. <laughs> I gotta make sure we have enough tape. All oh, right, are you good? Good. Part two. Part two. We on, are we on the sequel now? Wait a second. Okay, keep going. So, okay. yeah. Okay. I know right. you. You were friendly with with Saget and some of the some of that crew there. Um, Louis was kind of from that era too. Louis mm-hmm. Anderson came. He was performing at the Hilton. And yeah. yes, he was he, he was headlining, and I I watched him one night. We we he you know so you guys come to my show after your show, and we watched him, and I was like like when you're performing in Vegas, and then you go see somebody that's headlining like that, that's and you go I got a lot of work to do. But so I did my show, and he he could have just said hey you know good set and you know giving me some sugary compliments or whatever. And he came and saw you. He came to our show. Why? Because Wild Bill Bauer was from Minnesota and he was friends with Willie. So he literally came to our show and you know, I'm two years, three years in, still learning a lot. And I was doing all the, uh, I was doing all the observational stuff. Yeah. You know, all of, you know, buffet joke, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, cell phone, bite, bite, whatever. And, um, he goes, your presence on stage tells me that you had a good childhood. You like yourself. I said, yeah, doesn't everybody? He goes, no, no, no. <laughs> not everybody likes himself. He goes, and not a lot of comics. He goes, you have a great presence. Don't ever lose that. He goes, but your material, you need to go deeper. He goes, you're very surface. You're talking about this stuff. and then, You know, I want to know about you. More personal stuff. Your relationships, your life, your family. Because remember, he did all that family stuff that exploded in his career. And after that, I started doing more real stuff about dating. Because at the time, I was in my 20s, dating. I had great dating material. And um, and then I started wow. to, to do more family stuff. So Louis was the first person to tell me to go deeper. This yeah. is, that is like... Go deeper. He looked at me right in the face. He goes, go deeper. Oh, that's not even a PhD. It's a master's. You were getting a piece mm-hmm. of advice in a master's mm-hmm. program. Wow. Yeah. As a freshman, you know? Wow. All right, mm-hmm. so what did Sarah Silverman say? So I did this bit this at the improv. Hilarious. So I said, I had a bit about... Um, Men and women have different fantasies. You might remember that one. And how, like, I was with my girlfriend. <laughs> and, you know, she's like, you know, I want you to tell me all your fantasies, and I'll tell you mine. And, oh, okay. You know, mm-hmm. that awkward moment, you know. Yeah. It's like, I want to go to the beach and have a picnic. We could feed each other and drink champagne, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, okay, yeah, cool. Uh, she's like, how about you? I'm like, how about me, you, and another chick? <laughs> <laughs> At a picnic, you know, feeding each other. <laughs> Watch the sun go down. Watch her go yeah, down. Yeah, I remember this joke. So I had that joke, and then so you should do this on tonight's show. So I had, yeah, I had that joke, and then <laughs> something happened in my life that inspired this joke. Okay. So I said, everyone, every man I ever meet, following up on that bitch, so it was like back to back, right? So I was like, yeah, man, the, the threesome, the two, the two women, every guy's fantasy, every guy I've ever met, you know, wants two women in bed, you know. And I said, I might be the first guy to ever publicly say this, but I don't think it's a good idea. Because if you if you're you know when you're having sex you know you talk you know like yeah yeah baby yeah who's your daddy yeah, yeah you know you talk but with two women you got to be careful talking because women are beautiful but they're also a little insecure mm. so you you know I said I think it goes something like this and then I did me in bed with two women you know like oh oh yeah oh right there yeah right there and right there too yeah that's <laughs> that's good too yes that's equally good yeah. <laughs> Uh, who's everybody's daddy? Who's everybody's daddy? <laughs> I don't remember this. I'm gonna come, you guys. <laughs> Heads up in the outfield. You guys. You guys. I'm gonna come, you guys. Oh my god. Oh, the, oh, I, so I this one. Oh, oh, babies. <laughs> oh, babies. I, I mean, there's probably 10 of them. I gotta look them up. But, uh, Dude. And Sarah came out to me and she's like, and you know, Sarah was dirty all the time, anyways. She's like, Bruce. How much you want for that joke? I said, not for sale. She never took it. She didn't, you know. Well, she, that's she beautiful. She famous. She yeah. And, that's uh, it. Well, she's honorable. And I, I didn't see Sarah for 10 years. She wanted to buy it. Even better. For 10 years, I didn't see her okay. anywhere because she's famous and I'm, you know, getting people life insurance, right? So we're in two different worlds for a little bit, right? So I do a benefit for the ADL at the comedy store. We get Sarah on the show. I'm in the green room talking to the comics. Sarah walks in. Haven't seen her in 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know what she said to me? What? I'm going to come, you guys. Is oh, that the best? That's... <laughs> is that the, most, the biggest compliment? That is so beautiful. <laughs> Not even hello. She just goes, I'm going to come, you guys. Oh, my God. 
People really I, just, I just gave her a big hug. And all that. Thank you. That is. Thanks for remembering. Because I still want that joke. That is huge. Isn't that so funny? It's so funny because she's like, I'm going to come, you guys. It's such a comic thing to remember everything. Wow. That is such respect, dude. That is such respect. Game, respect, game. Wow. Game, respect, game. So. Dude. Oh. You got one more? Because we're going to run out of tape. Well, you did an episode recently. Yes. And you talked about. Somebody famous. Um, gotta have you back. Go ahead. You talked about somebody famous. And Uh-oh. I want to tell you. Did, I'm I, at, did I drop names? No, no. And and it, I have a tie to that person from this story. So when I went to BU, I was on the wrestling team. And mm. we all showered together and lived together. Hockey, basketball, wrestling. Showering ball. together? You want to Like a prison. Okay. Like it, 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 it was shower was like this room. Yeah. And there'd be three there, three there. And you're in there. Yeah. I mean, I'm it in there. It wasn't anything weird. I, I was in there with the Nigerian soccer players. Oh, wow. I was like, give me half of that. Give me a third of that. <laughs> I could do wonders. <laughs> Holy sh... It was like being in prison. Yeah, you know, the 80s, <laughs> athletics, right? <laughs> right? So, so, uh, and I'm, I'm sure it's right in my face. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, you're you know, right five there. Five foot one, Jamie. So, um, friend of mine is on the basketball team. Yeah. You know, we're all hanging out, eating pizza, going to spring break, Daytona Beach. My yeah. friend, his name is Dredrick. Okay. Highest scorer in the history of BU when we graduate. For ball. For basketball. Okay. Okay. Coach Mike Jarvis, who ended up becoming like big college coach, I think maybe. So... Me and Dredrick are buddies, and we graduate, and there's three NBA teams looking at him. Okay. I move out to L.A. Yeah. I come back, go to T. Anthony's at BU, where we all used to hang out. Dredrick walks in, wearing a Hertz Rent-A-Car shirt, and my heart dropped. And it was my first time realizing that in life, sometimes things don't work out. I saw it with my friend, and I was like, wow. He's like, yeah, I work for Hertz. Yeah, I didn't get picked up by the teams, and I might go play in Australia. Okay. He goes to Australia, same girlfriend from BU, and he marries her. He's playing in Australia. He has a daughter and then a son. And he's just playing basketball to pay the bills and still keeping the dream alive. His wife is not feeling well. He says, let me go to Seattle where my family is, go to the doctors there. Let me, you know, I just don't feel, feel right. His, uh, his daughter's like 10, his son is like eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Might be off a year or so, right? Wife flies to the States here and he gets a phone call that she died in the hospital. She had a rare disease and she passed away. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was a single dad in another country. Through all this, he's teaching his son basketball, you know. And um, his son actually wrote, when he was like in, in uh, sixth grade, he wrote, I'm going to the NBA on the wall in his room, in his closet. Mm-hmm. So his son starts to play pretty good. So he's like, let me go back to New Jersey, New York, where I can get him into the program. Like Le- LeBron's thing, you know, the St. John's High, whatever. So he gets his son into the good basketball programs. He takes a job at uh, Reuters, which is in the World Trade Center. Okay. And his son's starting to get good in basketball, and he goes to work. One day he walks in at 8.57 into the building. He's in the lobby in 2001 when the plane hit the building. And... He survives. He, he gets out of the building and he survives. And for two or three days, he can't contact his children or anything. And, you know, he's at ground zero. He saw some things that no, nobody should ever see. And at that point in his life, he's like... He was stuck in there for two days? No, he, he just... He like got out. Getting... I don't remember, cell phones were shut down yeah, for two days. Like yeah. it, was, it was like, couldn't get in touch with people, right? Yeah. Everything was overloaded. So, <clears throat> telling you the story for a reason, you're not going to believe where it's going. So... He gets reunited with his children, and his son ends up going from high school. He starts to get interested from colleges. And he goes with his son to see Coach K at Duke. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, 2000-something, right? <clears throat> I guess maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago or so. And um, they walk into the office for the meeting, 
and on the TV is Dredrick playing for BU against Duke, 1988, our senior year. We, we were ahead at halftime. We almost pulled an upset in the tournament, and then we lost to them, but Dredrick played great. And his son is, like, blown away, right? That Coach K even, like, remembers his you know. And so <clears throat> he said, listen, uh, a lot of kids are interested in coming to, to Duke, but if you are anything like that man I remember competing against, if your character is like his, Duke wants you. So he goes to Duke. He gets hurt. But he comes back for the tournament, and he takes him all the way to, like, the Final Four that year. And then he gets drafted by the NBA, and he ends up living the dream that his father couldn't, and that my friend Dredrick's son is Kyrie Irving. So if you want to know why Kyrie has some issues personally, Unless you know what it's like to lose your mother overnight at 10 years old, then I don't, I don't know how you can have a conversation about that. So maybe the reason why he has a hard time being content or happy like everybody thinks he should be is because of his childhood trauma. And so I think that the next time you see Kyrie play or think about him or hear people talk about him, forever I've changed how you've thought about him. That's a true story. Wow. And I've met him and, and I made him laugh. I am blown <laughs> away, dude. You are the greatest guest <laughs> in the history of podcasts. Part, part two next month. I love Kyrie. I, I know it, it was a topic. A I love Kyrie. Ago, so I did my, my homework. <sighs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude, there's so much I can say right now. <laughs> I, this is how many topics. That's ins- I can't. We that covered a lot. Story today, is incredible. We covered a lot, dude. You're an you're a master storyteller. Wait, <laughs> how many topics did you get to today? Five, I think six. Okay, yeah, I think six. It may be even seven because we did. We even did uh, restaurant business and cooking and all that. And Paul Newman, so. I'm going to yeah. end it right there. Okay, yeah. I, mean, I want pretty, you to okay. fucking tell people where you're at and what you're doing. Because okay. I really yeah. need, I want to combine sure. home and boat. Well, I could tell you this. Um, you're doing a lot tell more you this. than that. Um, no, so, so um, I am on Instagram every wow. day, like like y'all. Uh, Bruce Fine. Just type in Bruce Fine. I'm right there. My brain. And, uh, yeah. And, and um, I am performing. I just was at uh, the Bellflower Stand-Up Comedy Club. I will probably be there with a special comedy and music show in May. That's what we're talking about doing. Okay. Combining the, you know, the musical stuff that I do and that you've seen some of the clips of. Yeah. Some Billy Joel music and Elton John music and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, he some can comedy. sing. He's a great singer. We do a little Billy Joel. Yeah. You know? I don't care what you say anymore. This is my life. Boom, boom, boom. Go ahead with your own life. Leave me alone. <laughs> okay. So we're going to do some of that. And so um, good. yeah, you know, I, I, I'm developing a project uh, for reality and I, I may appear on your March 17th show at standup. I'm you, just plugging. You never you. know. You, you never know? know. I got, I got 10 minutes ready to get on. You should have, this is what you should do, Jamie. Just have three people do 10 minutes before you and get the crowd really ready. Instead of having an opener for doing 20. Do, do you have an opener? I do. I have a couple. Yeah. Do they usually, you have, do you usually have one or two or 10, 20 me. Okay. Yeah. Jamie Kennedy and friends kind of thing, right? Yeah, I yeah. can do that. Yeah, that's what you do. Yeah. So, anyways, I know you'll be there, and um, I also perform at the Comedy Magic Club in Hermosa Beach a lot. They do those ten comic nights, yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, do you do that club now? I haven't done it in a while. I have to go back you, to it. You, yeah, stand up guy. Is you would the, sell it there. The Bellflower guy is the stand up guy. Richard Hermert. Richard, yeah. hey Richard. Richard's great. Oh wait, yeah. it's not. You have to. Rich- everyone does to do a spot. You don't do headlining nights. No, no, they do headline nights. Oh yeah, saying, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Arsenio's been doing Arsenio and Friends. Okay, I and might want to. Yeah, do you, one of yeah. Those. All that stuff. Yeah. Shoemaker, all the all the. Uh, yeah, I know Shoemaker does yeah. it. So tell your Instagram. Right. Tell no, them yeah. your Twitter. Bruce, Fy- I, I'm, I've never been on Twitter, and I'm proud of that. All right. I just think that whole Twitterverse is like the keyboard warrior. You know, headquarters. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not even. It's just people reacting, and it, I just I like Instagram because now there's more videos, and like I love you know there's clips of your show, yeah. right? And then there's there's like 
there's clips of your work and like I'd rather be there's more comedy on Instagram. Like Twitter is just angry. Yeah. You know, you and Stu were talking about that. I heard that. Like it's just this angry uh universe, you know, and uh it's just bitter and ugly and you know, life's too short, Jamie. I'm at that point. I garden. Do you garden? No, but I want to. Let me tell you something. Smart. Gardening. Have you ever met a a, a farmer that was high strung? That was angry. I know. Right? Never met an angry farmer, right? No. You know? Right? No, and you cook. I garden and I use the food. We eat off the land, Jamie and Encino. We eat off the land. Yeah. I grow bananas. Really? I'm the only one. Got bananas. I gotta come over. For oh no, meal. you're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. But um I garden and I'll tell you this, it's like it's like meditation. Yeah. And I'll tell you something. I did a show for NAMI, the National Association of Mental Illness, and they presented an award to Mariel Hemingway. Yeah. And she had a documentary film. And she has suicide in her family. Okay. Her grandfather. Yeah. Her father. Yeah. Her sister. Yeah. All committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Mental illness in the the whole family. Mm-hmm. And she was not doing well. And she was on all these meds and she got a big garden and she started gardening. And she got off that med. She got off that med. She got off that. She went like med free. The more time she spent in the dirt, in the earth, growing. See, gardening is a great lesson for life. Because everybody wants bananas, right? They see me cutting my bananas. I want some bananas. Everybody wants bananas in life. But who wants to grow the bananas and put coffee grounds in eggshells and water it and make sure it gets sun and trim off the leaves and then a year later get bananas? Who wants to do all that? So, like, everybody wants to be an actor. Everybody wants to be a stand-up, right? They all want shortcuts. They want the result. But gardening is the work. And so it's that much more satisfying. So much more satisfying. And also, like, it's about the journey. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about the journey. Like, right now, in February, okay, everything's blooming. I got peaches, plums, bananas, um, uh, kumquats, ruby red grapefruits, pomegranate, everything. You got Colleges kumquats. Kumquats, baby. Those are the best. You ever eat those? Like, sweet and sour. Yeah. So, um, everybody wants bananas. That's going to be my next comedy special. Everybody wants bananas. <laughs> but nobody wants to like do the work. Nobody wants to plant and grow them and put coffee grounds and eggshells and yeah. all that, you know? Dude. <laughs> all right. We said we were going to end it. Now we're really, I, at least we ended on a happy note. I was beautiful. I was all happy. Yeah, yeah. It's all good. Yeah. Please follow Bruce right now. Go to him. <laughs> follow him. Get his. There's too much to say. It was a pleasure. And, the recipe, and, dude. And, you're incredible. It's bro. just great to see. It's, it's so funny because. We've seen each other like twice, maybe in the last like ten years. Yeah, for like five minutes, and, it's, and one was a funeral. Right, and yeah. one was a funeral because yeah. we're getting into that age, right? Yeah, but we're instantly like it's like we're back at you know Melrose. We Just catch like, right up. <laughs> catch right up. Great to see you, buddy. Pleasure, Jamie. Thanks, you guys. Like and subscribe. Bam.